Good morning, Bridge family. Everybody doing good today? You guys over here are doing good today. Everybody over here all right today? Nice. It's like call and response. What about on the right side? <laughs> good to see you guys on the very first Sunday of the new year. Happy New Year, everybody. It's good to see you again this Sunday. I know that, as Pastor Corey said last weekend, just being online was totally different for our church, you know, when, when usually we're gathering in the house. So I hope that you enjoyed our online presentation. I hope that you had great holidays with your family and friends, that you just enjoyed every minute of it. Hey, did anybody enjoy just all of our Christmas festivities here at the bridge this year or this past year? We had a great time, and so I just want to say thank you to everybody, really just for bringing your family and making this a part of your Christmas plans. It was such an awesome year, and um, another one's in the books, but it was a, a great year, a successful year, and we're so thankful that you were a part of it. Hey, if you're new to the bridge, welcome. My name is Zach, and I'm one of the pastors here at the bridge, and I just want to take a minute to welcome you and say thank you so much for being in church with us today. We're glad that you're here. You know, it means the world to us when you just choose to spend Sunday morning with us. Um, we recognize there's so many great churches in the valley, so when you got up on Sunday morning and you said, hey, we're going to go to church, maybe the bridge is not your home church and you're just visiting or you're trying to find home, we're glad that you're here. Thank you so much for being here today. Stop by the info center after service. Our team would love to meet you, answer any questions that you might have. Just let you know how it is that you can get plugged in and connected. You can go to our website, thebridgechurch.tv, or download the Bridge app. All you got to do is just go to the app store and search the Bridge Church Marietta, and you'll find our app there. But we want to help you get plugged in because we're really, really grateful that you're here among us. And not only that, but I want to tell you about something really important. If you're new to the Bridge, next Sunday morning, we have something called Connecting Point, and this is for anyone that's new or newer to the church. If you have questions about the church, you want to find out more kind of about our history, the heartbeat, the mission, the vision of our church, come to Connecting Point. We would love to meet you, just get to know you a little bit better. We just ask that you register. That's helpful for us. You can go to our website again or the app, and you can register. Just click on the Connect tab, and they'll get all the details for you right there so that we can plan for you. If you have kids, Bridge Kids happens during that service. It's during the 1130 service next Sunday. We just want to help you and your family get plugged in. So welcome. Thank you so much for being here today. If you're a regular here at the church, let's just put our hands together and welcome all of our guests to the bridge today. Awesome. If you got your Bible, meet me this morning in 1 John, toward the end of the New Testament, 1 John chapter 3. And I want to bring... I feel like I say this a lot, but a different kind of a message for this occasion. I want to bring you a message called a different kind of love. A different kind of love. You know, as pastors and preachers, one of the things that we are kind of tasked with, on certain occasions, certain dates, we kind of have to meet the moment. And what I mean by that is, if you look at either the church calendar or just like the annual calendar that we all walk through as human beings... There are various things that come up that pertain to, you know, this time of year or where we're at on the calendar that we need to speak to. And we don't always have to, but, you know, obviously as Christians on Good Friday, we're going to talk about, you know, the death of Christ. On Easter Sunday, the resurrection. At Christmas time, the birth of Christ. And all of those things are a part of uh, the church calendar that we've celebrated traditionally forever. But then there's days like today where it's the first Sunday of a new year. And it seems like what we're always tempted to talk about is how you can make this year the best year of your life. And everybody wants this year to be better than the last year. Can I get a good amen on that one? Even if your last year was great, like we all want this year to be better, right? Let's just be honest. And I really wish that this morning God had given me a message that could give you five steps to having the best year of your life. But that's not what he gave me. 
And don't worry, it's not a discouraging word at all. It's actually very encouraging. But this is where I want to start today because I think it's this time of year where we start making our plans for how this year can be better than the last, how this year can be our best one yet, and how we trust God that this will be a great year. But, you know, today many of you arrived, and the thing that you were thinking about when you got here was how, i got to keep working out today because I started yesterday, and i got to make sure that this New Year's resolution works. I mean, this personal trainer that I am now paying for, I better be getting my money's worth. This diet that I'm on, i got to stick to it. i got to make sure that tomorrow I find my Monday motivation and I get to the gym and I stick to that diet and I kick those bad habits and I pick up those good new ones. I mean, that's a lot of what we think of this time of year. And today I don't have a message that's going to spawn all of your hopes for the year. In fact, my message today I hope actually makes you take a step back and reevaluate things a little bit and ask the question, what's most important in the year ahead? Is that good with everybody? And 1 John chapter 3 is where I'm going to start, and this message is so simple. It's so incredibly simple that it's almost hard for me to just show up and tell you I'm going to preach from two verses and that's it. But that's what I want to do today. So let's read for a moment from 1 John chapter 3. When I was a kid, there was a song that we used to sing in church, and every time I say this, there's always people that are like, you've got to sing it now, Zach, but I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to tell you that the song went like this. Behold what manner of love the Father has given to us, that we would be called the sons of God. Behold what manner of love. How many people know that song? How many people do not know that song? You might be better off for it. Because the songs we sang back in the day are a whole lot different than the songs that we sing now. We don't sing songs like that very often anymore. But I was walking through the house two weeks ago just wondering what I might share today. And as this song just out of nowhere came into my head, it kept rattling around and rattling around and rattling around. I didn't realize for probably two more days that God was trying to get my attention and bring me to this passage of Scripture. So let's read from this verse, and if you know the song, this will echo in your head and in your heart. John writes these words in 1 John 3. He says in verse 1, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we would be called the children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Verse 2 says, Beloved, now we are children of God. Everybody say now. Now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Such important words. We shall see him as. As he is. I think quite often we see Jesus the way we are, not the way that he is. And throughout the course of our lives, as we walk with God, he wants to reveal himself and who he is and, and have us stop seeing him through the lens of our past experience. We'll talk more about that in just a little bit, but I want to just walk really slowly through these two verses of Scripture, share a few things that I feel like God pulled you know, my attention to, and hopefully these things will be encouraging to you today. John was an amazing guy, and I want to talk about him in just a moment, but the very first word that he uses here in what is, you know, marked as chapter 3 in 1 John, he says, behold, everybody say behold. Behold's not a word that we use very often in regular everyday English anymore. We took our kids to the Mission Inn a couple of weeks ago because it's all lit up at Christmas time, and we went with my parents and our kids, and we were walking around, and there's all these various sights that just draw your attention, and we would walk around a corner, and we could kind of see what was coming next, and the kids couldn't see it yet, and we would stop and look at the kids, and we would say, look, just like as if we were saying, behold, stop, take note, look, or what John is doing here is he's saying, let me point out that which stands out, behold, stop and take note of. 
take notice of this. Behold what manner, there's something different, this manner of love that the Father has bestowed upon us. And I want to talk for just a little bit about this, this different kind of love, this manner of love that John wants us to stop, behold, stop and look at, take note of, let him point out that which stands out, this manner, this different kind of love that the Father has given unto us. You see, when you look at John and all of his writings, John, of course, was a man that was called by Jesus to be a disciple. So we know him first as the disciple John, later as the apostle John. He gives us his gospel, one of the four, first, four gospels, the first four books of the New Testament, John's gospel. Then we get his three epistles in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Then, of course, he's the writer who gives us the great revelation at the very end of Scripture. And what's so interesting is that when you look throughout his writings, his writings stand out because many people would refer to John as John the Beloved or John the Apostle of Love. And the reason why I want to talk about love for a moment is because this was John's favorite thing to talk about and his favorite thing to write about. I remember a couple years ago I had the privilege of getting to share at Bridge Youth one night and God put this on my heart and some of you might have heard some of this teaching before, but I want to just take a moment and reiterate this because In John's gospel alone, the book of John, he calls himself the disciple that Jesus loved six times. He's referring to himself in the third person, but he's not calling himself by his first name. He's not calling himself the friend of Christ or Jesus' best friend or the one that loved Jesus. He refers to himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. Loved. And what's so funny about that is it sounds so totally arrogant as if John is saying, I'm the guy that Jesus loved the most. But the more I read John's writings, I get this revelation that John understood something that I sometimes have a hard time understanding. That my life and my Christianity should not be defined by how well I love Jesus. It should be defined by how well Jesus loves me. And when we see that in Scripture, we have to stop and take note. Is there something that John caught that I haven't yet caught? Is there something that he understood that I don't yet see? It's actually in the next chapter. We were just reading from 1 John 3. In 1 John 4, John says, we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. John understood at some point in his relationship with Jesus, he understood no longer is my life defined by how well I'm trying to prove myself to God. God has already proven himself to me by sending Jesus. And oh, what manner. A different kind of love he's given us. A different kind of love that he's bestowed upon us. And when we think about the love of God, we define it in so many different ways. Because this is a different kind of love, though, that John's talking about. See, To us, we often think of love as the kindness of God, and that's true because it's the kindness of God that draws us to repentance. Maybe we think about the acceptance of God, or we think about his grace, or his mercy, or his forgiveness, and all of those things are wonderful and amazing, and I'm so incredibly thankful for them. But John's talking about a different manner or a different kind of love here. So what's so different about this kind of love that John's talking about? Behold what manner of love The next word's the big giveaway, the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called, we, me, you, what an amazing kind of love that God would call me and God would call you the children of God. Now, we as Christians, we know that phrase, children of God, heavenly Father, God the Father. We know that phrase pretty well, but I don't think the revelation takes hold deep enough sometimes just how great it was when God welcomed us 
into his family. So let's talk about this for just a moment. I was studying this over the last two weeks, and Matthew Henry, the great Bible commentator, Bible scholar, theologian, he wrote some amazing words just talking simply about the love of God and what it means that God would welcome us into his family. Think about these words for a moment. Matthew Henry wrote, He who calls things that are not makes them to be what they were not. Because we weren't born with the nature of Christ. We were born with the sinful nature. He calls those things which are not and makes them to be what they were not, the sons of God. The father adopts all the children of the son. The son indeed calls them. In other words, Christ calls us unto himself and makes them his brethren, and thereby he confers upon them the power and the dignity of the sons of God. It is wonderful, condescending love of the eternal Father that such as we should be made and called God's sons. We who by nature are heirs to sin and guilt and the curse of God because of our sin, he who by pract- we who by practice are children of corruption, of disobedience, and ingratitude, and I love these words, strange that the holy God is not ashamed to be called our father and to call us his sons and daughters. That's the different kind of love that I think John had gotten a revelation of and that he was trying to explain in this passage of scripture. Now, Matthew Henry, he spoke and wrote in Old English, okay? So many of you might have picked up on that a little bit slowly. So let's just talk about basic Christianity for a moment. Let me ask you a quick question. Question, how do we come into a relationship with Almighty God? You don't have to answer it out loud, but just think about it. How do we come into a relationship with Almighty God? Because for a lot of us, we will answer that question in very, very general terms. We'll say, well, I I open my heart, and I know that I need God because I think he's good and he made me so therefore he must have a design for me so I I open my heart and I accept him or I receive him into my life well there's a ton of truth in that but let's be more specific Jesus said I am the way the truth and the life and guess what nobody comes to the father but through him so in other words let's get more specific nobody walks into a relationship with God outside of crossing the bridge that is Jesus Everybody with me this morning? So let me ask again. How do we come into a relationship with God? By saying yes to Jesus. Right? Right? I want to make that really clear because you might have walked in here today and you're like, well, I came to church because I know that I need God. But maybe you didn't know that there's only one bridge to cross. And it's Jesus. It's saying yes to Christ. So it begs another question. Why was Jesus the only acceptable bridge to God? Why is it Jesus? Well, what we know about Jesus from Scripture, if you want to go all the way back to the Old Testament and chase it up to the New, is that sin could only be atoned through a sacrifice of an innocent, spotless lamb. And God would accept that sacrifice when the lamb was slaughtered, the lamb was slain, the blood was shed, atonement was made, and God said, okay, forgiveness now takes place. And in the New Testament sense, for us, Christ was the only acceptable sacrifice because he was sinless and blameless before God. So when he went to the cross and his blood was shed, it was full payment, or atonement is the theological term for our sin. Does everybody believe that? 
So what I'm trying to get across to you this morning is simply this. If you think about the idea that Jesus is the Son of God, perfect, sinless, blameless, spotless, I can totally understand why God would look at Jesus and say, you can be a part of my family because you've done no wrong. But the idea that God would look at me and say, you can be a part of my family too, that baffles my mind. Because guess what? I know me. I'm not Jesus. I'm sinless. I'm full of sin. I'm not sinless. I make mistakes. My heart is totally deceitful and wants to take me in an opposite direction all the time. Anybody else want to agree with that? Come on, don't leave me up here by myself. That's what, this is the condition of humanity. And the reason I'm trying to say all of this to you and get this point across to you is because John got this revelation that there's nothing I could ever do that would prove to God how worthy I am of his acceptance. Instead, God loved me so much that he just says, you crossed that bridge and I got you. Everything that I've made available to Jesus, the majesty of heaven, the kingdom of God is not just available to him. It is now available to you as well. What an amazing gift it is. That's a different kind of love. That's a different kind of love than anything I've experienced in family, in friendships. I love my wife, but that's a different kind of love. And God's making something totally new and different available to me, and I have to stop and take note of how unworthy I am to be a part of his family and how amazing he is that he would include me in it. It's unbelievable. I I can't get my head around it. You know, Paul wrote it this way. He said, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, my my heavenly Father, my daddy God, literally, where I can have an intimate relationship with him, where he's not just distant creator God, but he's near and he's close. Abba, Father, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children... Then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus. In other words, if Jesus is the Son of God, stands to inherit the kingdom of God, I've been welcomed into a family where I shall inherit everything that Jesus gets from the Father too. That's crazy. That's a different kind of love. I can't wrap my head around that. Me? Me? Us? I love how he writes this. Behold this different kind of love, this manner of love that we we. I was like in my office this morning and I was like walking this out a little bit and talking this out and I'm standing there and I find myself looking in the mirror that's directly across from my desk as I'm saying it. That we, that I, that me. I know me. That God would include me in his family and say, you're my son and I make everything that's available to Jesus available to you. That we would be called the sons of God. Here's what I love about that word called. That word call, we think about the call of God so often, and it feels like this distant thing where God whispers from afar and says, come close, come close. When you look at the word that John uses here, it doesn't just mean that God invites. It literally means that God renames me. He calls me into his family. And even though my earthly last name is Martin, it's as if he's invited me into a family where that name doesn't matter as much. And now I'm his child, and I'm a part of his eternal kingdom, which is incorruptible. And I have to identify with this, with this reality that God is giving me a new identity. You know, last Sunday morning, sitting at home, I hadn't really paid attention to the songs that we were going to be singing on the day after Christmas in our online service. And when the song Good, Good Father came on, I knew what I was going to talk about today. 
And one of the things that just jumped out to me as that song was being sung, and I'm just sitting there kind of meditating in that moment during our service, the words to that song say, you're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's his identity. The identity of God is father, but not just father. He's a very, very good father. That doesn't surprise me when I look through scripture, but what makes me really, what just amazes me and blows me away is the second part of that course where it says, and I'm loved by you, and it's now my identity. It's who I am. It's a different kind of love. He's renamed me. He's called me. He's made me a part of his family, and no longer is my existence on this earth marked by where I was born or where I came from. Now I'm a part of the family of God, and that's just a different kind of love. Now, In saying all that, I really want to stress to you this morning that at the beginning of this year, when you look ahead and you think about what you want this year to look like, what you want to do, what you want to become, what you want to achieve, we can have all kinds of wonderful goals. They can be things that God's like, dude, you do need to work on that. Go do that. But I think sometimes we begin to strive forward or reach forward, and what we don't do is rest in what we already have. We tend to look at the opportunities in front of us and we see everything that we don't have and we say, I need to reach, I need to strive. And I think sometimes God says, no, you need to rest in what I've already given you because in the years past, you've continued to reach for things that you have not achieved, but I've made everything already available to you. Does everybody identify with that this morning? And I just want to challenge whatever thoughts and plans that you might have for the year in front of you. You might be thinking, Zach, I'm going to get healthy this year. Guess what? I think God wants you to get healthier. Do that. Like, Zach, I got these bad habits that I want to drop, and I think that, like, it'd probably be a good idea to do that. So I got to work really hard to drop these bad habits. God's like, yeah, you do that. You drop those bad habits. They're not helping you. But when you think about your spiritual life for just a moment, and you think about the plans that you have for the year in front of you, if you say, hey, I want to get to the end of next year, and I want to be closer to God than I was at the beginning of the year, if that's how you feel, can I tell you something? You're not going to achieve it by reaching for more and trying to get God to give you something. Guess what? He wants you to rest in what he's already made available to you and reevaluate the plans you're laying on the table. And that's a challenge for us because we want to do and we want to strive and we want to go and we want to achieve. And sometimes God's like, no, you just need to rest in what I've already made available to you. So get that across, get that in your heart, get that in your mind for a moment. There's a different kind of love that God's made available to us, and we can't do anything to earn it, to achieve anything greater than what he's already given to us. It's all available to us. Stop reaching and start resting in the love that he's made available to you, the acceptance that he's made available to you. Now, let's read on, because you go to the second part of verse 1, and there's some other things that start to come out. Look at what John says here, second part of verse 1. Therefore... The world does not know us because it did not know him. Now, John's going forward and he's saying, we're a part of the family of God. We're a part of an eternal kingdom. And it's as if now we have been divided or separated from the world in which we live. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not. Watch this. The world does not, present tense, know us because it did not, past tense, know him. I think what John is doing right here is I think he's taking a moment to reflect and look over his shoulder. And I think he realizes there was a day where I encountered Christ. And Jesus invited me into this relationship. And we didn't just start a relationship. It was as if I took on a new name and a new identity. And suddenly I'm welcomed into the family of God. And on that day, I went this direction when my life was previously going in that one. 
And the world that I lived in, the people that I knew, the family that I came from, the neighbors that I hung out with, we were all on this path going in this direction. But then I encountered Jesus. I took on a new identity. I was welcomed into a new family. And suddenly I was going this direction. And guess what? It was as if the world didn't know me. This first confounded me after I read this because I was so encouraged. I'm like, man, the love of God draws me in and it accepts me. But then you read that second part where it's like, I'm in a new family and it's almost as if the world around me doesn't even recognize me anymore. And I think as Christians, we struggle with this part. Because what we tend to do is we look at the world around us and what we say is, okay, I want to be a follower of Christ. I want all the blessing of God. I want to live a life that's pleasing to God. But I don't want the world around me to think that I'm weird. I don't want the world around me to see me as different. So what we tend to do is we say, okay, I'm a child of God. I'm in the family of God. And technically, I should have both feet firmly planted in the eternal kingdom of God. But because we are so worried about being irrelevant and not being able to relate to the world around us, we tend to keep one foot in the kingdom of God and one foot in the kingdom of this world. And we, we kind of straddle that divide and we struggle with it so much. And sometimes that's what leads us to live out this compromised Christianity. Because we don't like the idea that the world wouldn't know. So what do we do? We say, well, the world around me doesn't know God the way that I do. Like, Jesus hasn't changed their life yet. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do God's job for him. And in order to show them God, I'm going to act more like them and just claim to be a Christian. Can I tell you something? You're not going to show Jesus to the world around you by being more like the world around you. You're going to show Jesus to the world around you when you become more like Jesus. And what this reveals to us is that God is calling us out of this worldly, fleshly nature where we are living for ourselves. And there has to come a point in my relationship with God where if my life looks different and the world around me thinks it's weird, that's okay. And here's what's funny about it is that in the year 2022, like, y'all know what's going on in the world today. It feels like it's totally rebellious to be a Christian now. Like, back in the day, we would have defined rebellion by going against that norm in our nation. Today, to be a Christian is totally against the way the things of our world are. And to follow Christ is something that the world looks at and says, I don't get that. I don't understand that. I don't even know you anymore. But John embraced this new identity where he says, I'm no longer worried about what people think. The world doesn't know us. Why? Because they didn't know him. And I'm now a part of a new family. See, this is a dividing line for so many of us because I want to be a part of a relevant church where somebody who walks into this house comes in here and they might not know God and they might have tons of questions about God. I want people to walk in here and feel loved and accepted and believed in and I want them to hear the music and say, wow, like that kind of hits me right where I'm at. And I want the messaging to hit them right where they're at. But guess what? When you walk in and you hear the word of God, it might be offensive because that's kind of what the word of God does. And what we want is we want the word of God to kind of fit into this nice little gentle corner of our life to where I can be comfortable and I can be agreeable with the world on the negotiables, but I can still have one foot in the kingdom of God and still speak Christianese over here. As long as I can relate to both sides, everything's good. And John's like, nope, when I got adopted into this family, those people over there didn't even know me anymore. And we're afraid of that. We're scared of that. Can I just tell you something this morning, Christian friend? There's going to come a point in our walk with God where if the world looks at us and says, I don't recognize you, we need to be okay with that because that's what's supposed to happen. 
And we have to be very, very careful not to straddle that divide of one foot here and one foot there because I want to keep God happy here, but I still want to be relatable to people over here. No, 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 no. John says, when I got into this family, it was as if the world no longer recognized me. And I don't say that to discourage you. Here's the word of encouragement. Why do we find ourselves doing that? You know what I think the word is? We're always looking for acceptance. We might be so comfortable in our own shoes and in our own skin, and we might think, you know, I don't have issues with insecurity, but how often do we compromise the word of God in our life? How often do we compromise our faith? Because we're looking for acceptance from people in our world. It happens all the time. And here's the thing that I think that we struggle with the most in in trying to kind of straddle that divide. We look for acceptance from people in the world by keeping one foot here and one foot there. And what we totally disregard in that process is that even though we're striving and we're reaching for people's acceptance, all the acceptance we will ever need has already been given to us over here. Is everybody with me this morning? I'm going somewhere with this, and I told you it was going to be encouraging for your New Year plans, okay? By the way, my New Year's resolution is to preach shorter messages. (laughs) So we'll see how I do. (laughs) That's, Corey, that's been your New Year's resolution every year. (laughs) I love you. I don't want to get too far off topic here, but As followers of Christ, there must come a time where we accept the fact that the world doesn't always understand us, and that's okay. Because if we are rejected by the world, we must understand it's not we who are being rejected. It's Christ who lives in us that they don't want. (laughs) I know that's heavy. I know these aren't your five keys to the best year ever. But trust me, we're getting there. So let's go back to where we started. We said, 2022, man, I want it to be a great year. I want to achieve great things. I I want to be a healthy person. I mean, I really do, and I think that that's what God wants for me too. I want to achieve these goals that I've placed in front of me, but I have to stop and ask myself the question. With the goals that I've made for the year ahead, whose acceptance am I reaching for? Because yesterday was the first day of the year, and you might have already gotten started on your list, but I would just ask you on the second day of the year to take just a moment and ask the question, are there things on my list that I'm reaching to achieve because I'm striving for some acceptance that I really don't need? Now watch this, because John really brings it home here. Look at what he says. Verse 2. I told you we're just going to preach him two verses today. John says this. Verse 2. Beloved, now we are children of God. So we're in a new family. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. That's a mysterious statement. It has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But hang with me for a minute. But we know that when he, capital H, Jesus, is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Now, John is talking about two things right here. When you go to Bible college, you go to seminary, whatever it is, one of the first things you learn is the kingdom of God, the aspects of the kingdom of God. When it comes to this kingdom that Jesus talked about, there is the eternal yet-to-come kingdom, there is the, 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 the kingdom that will be established, and there's the kingdom that he is already establishing in the here and now that is not yet complete. And when we talk about this, John is saying here right now, there's going to come a day where Christ is coming back for his church. And when we get there, he will be revealed in us. And what that will look like, we totally struggle to understand because we've never seen it with our own eyes. 
We live in these perishing bodies in this corrupt, decaying world. And we do everything by faith. We do our best not to live by sight. So when Scripture tells us that we're the righteousness of God in Christ, sometimes we have to say that in faith because we don't yet see it with our eyes. And what John's trying to get across here is there's coming a day when this life comes to an end that we will be united in eternity with Christ and what we will be revealed to us is who he is. He will be revealed in us. Why? Because we're continually being made into the image of Christ. But that's the eternal picture. What about the here and now? See, right now in the here and now, all of us slowly are being made into the image of Christ. And as we grow and as God molds us and he shapes us, you know, you see this Old Testament prophet's picture of the potter and the clay. God's always working out these rough edges in our life. He's making us into something that even in this life we don't fully understand. On New Year's Eve, we were sitting with our friends and like I was talking with my buddy and we were just talking about how when we got out of high school, how different life was for us then than it is now. Like, for whatever reason, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I look back and I think, man, how did I not know what I wanted to do with my life? And it's crazy how you go through these wandering years where you just feel like you're going through the wilderness of searching and figure out. And then it's like one day God gets your attention and says, here's the path. And along the way, he molds you and he shapes you. But I look back and the one thing that's crazy to me is that when I was 17, 18 years old, there's no way I would ever thought that this is what it would be. I didn't think this was the plan at all. Because what I know now is that then it had not yet been revealed what I was to become. Maybe your story sounds something like that. We know the eternal side of it. We don't know what it's going to look like to look like the full image of Christ because we haven't seen it with our eyes. But in our own lives today, I think all of us can look back a year ago, two years ago, five years ago, ten years ago, or to the day that you met Christ and you realize that the person I am today is not the person that I was then and I never saw this person happening. I didn't know what God was going to do. I didn't know who he was molding me into or shaping me into. It was not yet revealed to me. I was only walking it out by faith. And I'm not the finished product, but I certainly ain't who I used to be. It's a continual revelation of what God is doing in my life. And John says, I've submitted to this process. I'm a part of this family. I no longer am recognizable to the world around me. And everything that I am to become hasn't fully been revealed. And until the day comes that I'm with Christ in eternity and I see him face to face and I understand it and I know what it is with my own two eyes, that's when it will be fully revealed. But until then, I'm in process. And I think a lot of us, when we think about that process, A lot of our motivation is pleasing others around us. We're looking, we're striving, we're reaching for the acceptance of someone all the time. He goes on and he said, but we know that when Jesus is revealed, we shall be like him. I like what Romans 8 says. It says, for I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Then in verse 21 it says, Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Colossians 3 says it this way, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. 
For you died. Our old self died. Our old life died. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will will appear with him in glory. I think as Christians what we come to understand is that God is always doing this ongoing work in our life that's continually being revealed. And I think some days we wake up and we get out of bed and we see what God has done and we're like, wow. I never saw it happening like this. I couldn't have imagined it going like that. There are people in this room right now, today you're doing something that God has called you to do, that he's brought you to do, that five years ago you were like, I never would have seen myself doing that. I never would have thought that door would have opened. I never thought it would play out like this. Why? Because we haven't seen all of it yet. It's continually being revealed until the day comes that we see face to face Jesus and he is revealed in us. We have to trust God with that process. But I think one of the great distractions in the process is continually looking for the acceptance of the world that we live in. When all all the while, all the acceptance we would ever need has been made available to us in Christ. You know, in closing this morning, I think one of the greatest revelations that's given to us in Scripture is the revelation of God as Father. Scripture talks about God the Father so much, but yet people who aren't in a relationship with God, or maybe people who just haven't dug deep into that relationship yet, they only seem as big creator God in the sky. He's distant. He's far away. But when we start to see this revelation of God as Father, we start to understand that God doesn't want to be distant. He wants to be close. He wants to be near. He wants to have an intimate relationship with you. And he wants to always be accessible. Do you see God as accessible in your life? I think sometimes we struggle to see God as a loving Heavenly Father, or we have a hard time getting our head around what a good father is because of what our father experience has been like in our life. Just think about it for a minute. What's your experience been? What, what was your dad like? I'm not trying to go deep down the psychological path of daddy issues and all that. But sometimes we struggle to understand the father heart of God because maybe we had a bad father experience in this life. I think we often have different kinds of dads. Some of us had great dads who were always present, always willing to help. I'm pretty fortunate I had a really, really good dad. I had a great grandfather, great grandfathers on both sides of my family. I'll never forget years ago, talking to my dad one day, and he was telling me a story about when he was at the lowest point of his life. He said, I was just crying out to God and praying to God. And he said, I just felt like God wasn't answering my prayers. I didn't know if it was bouncing off a wall and coming back and God just wasn't hearing me. He didn't seem to be doing anything on my behalf. He said, and I felt like I would always turn around and go to my earthly father and ask him for help. And every time I asked, he was always there to do whatever I needed. He said, and the thought goes through my head one day, man, if only my heavenly father was as willing to help as my earthly father said, it was in that moment that I caught myself say that, and I said, I got a bad revelation of the Father heart of God. Jesus said it this way. He said, if you being evil want to give good gifts to your kids, how much more does your Father in heaven want to give good gifts to his kids who ask? 
Maybe you're crying out to God and you say, I, God, you gave me a great heavenly or a great earthly father, but when I cry out to you, it seems like you're not doing what I want. It seems like it's taken longer than I thought. It didn't play out the way I would have asked for it to. Can I tell you something? God hears your prayers. He's just wanting you to trust him in the process. He knows exactly what you need. He knows exactly where you are. And he's even better than you think. He's even better than the good earthly father that you were born with. You just need to trust him in the process. Because all the approval you will ever need has already been made available to you. Maybe you had a demanding dad. This is the dad that required so much of you, expected so much of you. And even when you did your very best and you achieved high, you achieved high only to discover that the bar was continually moving. The goalposts were always moving. Maybe you felt like even when you were doing your very best, you know that your father loved you. They just had a really hard time telling you, expressing it to you. Maybe you walk through life feeling like the approval was just never there. And to this day, you find yourself at yet another year where you're striving and reaching rather than resting in the approval that's already been given to you. Can I tell you something today? Your, your heavenly father loves you so much, he's not looking for you to do anything to prove how much you love him. His approval is so available to you, and he doesn't want you to reach anymore. He wants you to rest this year in what he's already been making available to you. Maybe you had a demanding dad. Can I tell you something? God's not a demanding dad who's trying to move the goalposts all the time. He's made his approval available to you. Maybe you had a distant dad. Felt like he was never there when it was inconvenient. Only at their convenience. At the most important times, they were always aloof. So when you think about this idea of God, a heavenly father, you think, man, God just must be aloof and distant. How much does he really care? Is he going to be there when it matters most? Or is he going to be the aloof dad, the distant dad that just watches from afar and says, figure it out, and I'm not going to be there when you need me the most? Maybe that's been your experience. Maybe there are sons and daughters in this place that your earthly father was just never there, and so you can't wrap your head around the idea of an ever-present help in time of need. Can I tell you something? All the approval you'll ever need has already been made available to you and God wants to walk out every single day of your life with you he doesn't want to watch from afar and say good luck figure it out no he's here and he's willing to help whenever you need him that's who he is that's our loving heavenly father John referred to himself as the apostle that Jesus loved because he recognized he didn't need to have his life be defined by how much he loved Jesus all the love he would ever need was made available to him. So when you look at the year ahead of you, who are you striving to please? Can I encourage you before you set out and reach to achieve and reach to accomplish all those things that you might have put on your list this year? Can I encourage you instead of reaching, just take a moment to rest and recognize that all the approval you'll ever need has already been made available to you. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Father, I know that you gave me kind of a different message for this day. But as I stand here, Father, I know that you're just grabbing some people's hearts. This time of year, Lord, where we want to create something that's better for ourselves in the year ahead. Maybe we have regrets on the way things have gone in the past. Maybe we want to do better. God, we know that you are always calling us to action in different areas of our lives to be stewards of what you've given us. And I pray that you would help us to do that. God, if there are areas that we need to take action... Help us to take action and do what you're calling us to do. If we need to grow in our physical health, our relational health, our marriages, the way that we handle our money, 
whatever it might be, our businesses, whatever it is that you're calling us to grow in that's going to require work, I pray that you would speak to us and that we would be willing to put in the hard work. But if there's areas, God, where we are striving and reaching for approval that's already been made available to us, I pray that we would stop reaching and we would start resting in who you are and what you've already given us. God, for people that need to have a new revelation of the love of our Heavenly Father, I pray that you would just speak to them, that you would wrap your arms around them, that you would draw them near, God, that you would show them just how much you love them. We recognize that you're good and that you're faithful. You're our loving Heavenly Father. And oh, what an amazing kind of love you've given us, that you would welcome us, even us, even me, into your family. We're so grateful for that, Lord. Right now, with heads bowed, if you're here and you've never come into that relationship with God, I asked that question earlier. How do you come into a relationship with God? There's only one bridge to cross, and it's Jesus, the sinless, spotless Son of God, the one who, when he died, his sacrifice was accepted by God as full payment, atonement for our sin. God loved you so much that he sent his very best in exchange for your very worst, your sin, my sin, so that we could come into a relationship with God, know him in this life, and have peace that we would spend eternity with him when this life comes to an end. And if you've never made a decision to commit your life to Christ, I would love to just lead you in a prayer. It's a simple prayer, a quick prayer, but an incredibly meaningful prayer. It's not about magic words. It's about a commitment that you make in your heart to follow Christ. And if you'd like to do that today, maybe for the first time, or maybe... You want to recommit your life to Christ today as well. I would love to lead you in this prayer and invite you just to repeat these words right after me. We're going to say it all together right out loud. I'm not going to put you on the spot. But I want to invite you into this right now. Just repeat these words after me and say, Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that your death was full payment for my sin. And I believe that God raised you from the dead so that I could have new life as well. So today I choose you. I put my hope in you, my faith in you, and my trust in you. From this day forward, I will walk with you into eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, hey, real quick, a couple more things we're going to do before service is over. If you're here today and you made that decision to follow Christ, there's no more important decision that you could ever make in life. And we just want to help you start your relationship, your journey of faith. We have a simple gift, a tool we want to give you. It's a book called The Next Seven Days, and there's two different ways that you can get it. Right after service, as soon as service is over, walk up to one of our prayer teams. They're going to be up against these side walls down here on the floor. Just let them know you made a decision to follow Christ. You want to get the book. They'll give it to you. We don't need anything from you, but we're here to help and pray with you in any way that we can. Maybe you're here today and you just need prayer. That's why our prayer teams are here. Please take advantage of that and come see them. If you need to go quickly at the end of service, just stop by the next seven days desk. It's right between the glass doors. Let them know you made a decision to follow Christ and we will get you a copy of the next seven days. If you're watching online, just be sure to check out the details that are there on the screen so that we can connect with you and put the next seven days in your hand because we want to help you start your journey of faith and your walk with God as well. Hey, as a family of people who've made that decision, can we put our hands together and welcome people into God's family? All right, I don't know if I'm keeping up with my New Year's resolution yet or not, but last thing in our service this morning is we're just going to take a moment to honor God by bringing our tithes and our offerings into his house. And I just quickly want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for your generosity. And, you know, it's more than generosity, really. It's a heart decision to put God first in the area of your finances. Jesus said that where your treasure is, there your heart would be also. 
And one of the things that we know about the Bridge Church is that there are so many people that your heart is in the kingdom, your heart is for the house, and your heart is for the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ to go forward. Why? Because you invest in this. You generously support what we do here at the Bridge. You tithe. You bring offerings into the house. So thank you so much for doing that. And if you'd like to give today, there are different ways on the screens that you can give digitally and uh, choose whichever is most convenient for you. If you'd like to give in person a physical gift today, there are envelopes there on your seat backs. If you want to grab that, you can fill out the details. And just drop it in one of the giving stations on either side of the exit doors before you exit the auditorium. There's also one outside near the Bridge Kids entrance wing. So do whatever is most convenient for you. But again, we just want to reiterate how grateful we are to be a part of a generous church. We love you and we are so thankful that we get to partner with you. We were talking last week about 2021 and what a great year it was in so many areas of ministry here at the bridge. And even through the difficulties and the struggles that our world, our nation's gone through over the course of the last couple of years, man, the ministry is going forward in so many strong ways and we have lacked for nothing as a house. And we're so, so grateful for that. It's because of a faithful God and faithful people. So thank you again so much for your generosity in giving. Hey, does anybody enjoy being in church on the first Sunday of the new year? God bless you guys. We love you. Have a wonderful day and an awesome week.